Create, innovate, collaborate. As a society, we've never been so connected, but yet so alone. Depression continues to rise. Addiction to prescription painkillers is at the highest it's ever been, and research is telling us it's largely because we feel isolated and alone. Nothing brings this home more than when you read reports of entrepreneurs and senior executives taking their lives because they feel disconnected from the world. In July of 2013, a customer of mine, Carsten Schloter, the CEO of Swisscom, committed suicide, taking everyone around him by surprise. There was no corruption, the business was booming, and he was loved by everyone around him and all of his employees. He was just lonely and disconnected. We all connect every day in so many different ways. However, how much of that connection is authentic and done with confidence? I'm Brad Twynham, your host and virtual entrepreneur in residence, and today we're going beyond connection. Our guest has challenged this social norm of not talking to strangers and has flipped the conversation on its head. She travels the world speaking with people of all cultures about how to develop confidence in our connections with people to develop deep personal connections with strangers. Her book, Do Talk to Strangers, has been regularly featured in the media and her clients have included the likes of BHP Billiton, Microsoft and National Australia Bank. Most impressively of all, she's accomplished all of this from the small town of Dubbo, New South Wales. Kerry Phipps, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brad. I'm almost lost for words with that introduction. It's You've hit the nail on the head about the importance of this and I'm really grateful to be here having this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kerry. And it's awesome to have you on the show. Not only are you a successful entrepreneur, but you've created an international brand from Dubbo. And, and for our international audience, Dubbo is a regional town about four and a half hours to the west of Sydney. So it's like driving from Los Angeles to Vegas without the fun when you get there, which is extraordinary. <laughs> so can you share with us how you've done building a global business from a regional location? <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about Vegas. haven't been there, but uh, we do have some fun out here. Uh, some, of the, some of the advantages I think have been surprising and I noticed it when I first started coaching, like in 2004, I would travel to Sydney for, and let me say, while it, from here it, it really is about five and a half, six hours into the city to drive, and especially when there's roadworks. However, it's only a one-hour flight. I do that whenever possible. But because I would travel to events, I would stand out because people would say, oh, my gosh, you came all that way? And we were complaining about 40 minutes of traffic. <laughs> and so I think people started telling other people, if you can, if Kerry can do it out west, then you can you can build your business, and that did become a theme. You know that you can build the life and business you want from the location you want because I was doing that, and I was having people saying, "Well, when you're moving to Sydney, you should you should move to Sydney." And uh, yeah, I always I'm a bit of a rebel. I tend to push back on what people say I should do, but uh, you know we're really grateful to live in this regional area. I love visiting Sydney and uh, do that quite often, but. Often now it's it's just the um, I'm passing through on my way to somewhere else exciting. So so we do one of the challenges I think is that 
we have the perception of somehow being, you know, less or more challenged and and we can buy into that, you know, I, and I did for years. I was just a country girl. And so when I had um, colleagues, peers and, and mentors putting me forward for different opportunities because they were like, wow, she's so committed, she comes all this way, I would think, but I'm just, you know, I'm just me. I'm just this country girl. I'm, you know, wasn't as classy or sophisticated or wealthy as my city colleagues. So a challenge for me, for me was to let that go. And, you know, definitely distance can be a challenge sometimes and opportunities will go to somebody who is, you know, a 20-minute drive away because they can just be there in a, short, in a short time frame. But when people ask me about what the problems are, I'm like, mm, I don't really dive into problems because it's all, I know that a lot of the time they're perceived, you know, or I just want to go looking for the solutions. Well, yeah, maybe that is challenging, but... How can we look at this differently? <laughs> and when we look at it differently, we see a whole lot of opportunities. And I think we grow up with uh, just on benefits. You know, we grow up with, for me, a farming family and a, fa- a farming community is just packed full of resilience and creativity because, you know, we go through droughts and floods and all kinds of challenges and we have to pull together and we have to find solutions so that's a really great upbringing as well that can be an can be an advantage for country people that's a great message Kerry. in my work I, I focus a lot on regional entrepreneurship and and I really think you've encapsulated the advantages of why people with good ideas in regional areas should just go for it and, and location mm-hmm. shouldn't be a limitation so thank you so much for sharing that and I hope our listeners in regional areas really grasp that Mm. And, and don't use it as an excuse to stop them from moving forward with whatever dreams and ambitions they may have. Yeah, and you know what? Can I just give a gift? We didn't even talk about this, but I don't know if you know about my um, my second book, which was before Do you Talk to Strangers. It's called Lifting the Lid on Quiet Achievers, which is success stories of regional entrepreneurs. And I wrote that to share that message, to encourage people. So, yeah, if any of your listeners just want to send me an email, I will send them the ebook for free. I, well, I'm one of those listeners, Kerry, so uh, please send me one of those ebooks. I'd love to read it and, and I would love to have it promoted, uh, you know, amongst the regional incubators that I spend so mm. much time with at the moment. That would yeah, be a cool. real gift to them. We've just been um, talking about talking to strangers and hadn't even made that connection, so. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about your book, Do Talk to Strangers, because I just love the book. But you also do really good work in cultivating effective leadership for female leaders and entrepreneurs. Mm. Can you tell us about that work and specifically what you do in that area? Well, I think I'm asked to speak about leadership for women because I'm a woman from a country area who is, you know, living the dream in so many ways. And and because if they know my story, they know that I've had a lot of overcoming to do in terms of confidence and and I think that confidence is the biggest challenge for female leaders to be well to be authentic which everyone like really wants deep down they really want to be authentic and step forward confidently and we can be confident when we are authentic so you know I run the connect with confidence program for you know so many teams and it's particularly asked for in terms of women's conferences and women's events because you know we just resonate with it (laughs) 
We're like, okay, I think if these people can be more confident or if I can be more confident, then I can step into these roles that maybe I wouldn't have before. So really so much of my work is just about the conversation in our head. And, you know, having said that, I work with, um, you know, as a leadership coach, and which I was doing for a long time before writing the book, a lot of one-on-one conversations with men, but that's where it's a really safe space for them to talk about stuff that they're not talking about in a in a corporate environment or in a team environment so much. So, yeah, so that's kind of what's opened up the, the women's events, I guess, because everyone's, re- everyone's willing to say we need to be more confident. And that's a really interesting insight. Mm-hmm. I think women generally um, don't wear as many masks as men when it comes to communication and, and you've articulated that. And I think bringing this confidence not just to women but to men in general and and allowing men to connect mm. more authentically is is such an important part of your work yeah I love I, I love the book because it is so simple and stacked with common sense however underneath that common sense is a beautiful message about expansion and growth and how anyone anywhere can be a catalyst for that and one of my favorite quotes in the book that really hit my heart was was this when your desire to connect is greater than your fear of rejection, your world expands beautifully. Mm. It's, a, it's a simple quote, but it's also a quote that's packed full of wisdom and insight. There's clearly a whole life of experience that underpins this book that you allude to on several occasions. You don't go into in great detail, but would you mind giving us the story that brought you to the point where you felt you just had to write this book? <laughs> uh, great question because it, it is like that. You know, I'm not, I don't see myself as a writer or an author. It's taken a while to introduce myself, you know, as an author and speaker and coach. Uh, it, I did feel I had to write it because people would say to me, how do you have these conversations I mean, first of all, I guess it's the conversation like, how do you build an international business when you're from Dubbo? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, we have an airport close to home. We have like the internet. And, um, but more seriously, how did I do that? And I had started reflecting and I would realise that when I'm telling, you know, friends or colleagues a story about, oh, I met this man on the plane this morning and this happened and that happened. And anyway, so I'm introducing him to this person and, and you know, they met this gentleman on a train and now there's you know, all these cool things happening and they would just go, whoa, stop. How did you, how did you do that? Like how was, how is it not weird to swap business cards or like how did you take the connection past the, you know, hello, good morning on a train? So I started realising that I actually had a lot of stories to share and so I started writing why it's great to talk to strangers because I just wanted to share with people that it's, it's great to do that and friends really challenged me to not just inspire them with my stories because then they go, oh, I wish I was like Kerry. They said, you have to teach us how to. And when somebody says, oh, I wish I was like Kerry, I just go, oh, my gosh, I don't mean to make it look easy. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm pushing myself out of the comfort zone all the time. But when I started thinking about how do I do that, it really was the book was almost finished when you know I was getting feedback and they were like but you've got to teach us how to so I had to step out of coach mode where I was just asking all the questions and and just sharing inspiring stories and actually 
seeing myself as someone who could teach a how-to. And, uh, yeah, so I'm grateful to many people in my world for, for digging deep into that. But, yeah, so there wasn't one point. But, and I think when you ask about, you know, an underlying story, I think it is, you know, that life experience that you say, even as fresh as last night, because I'm constantly going deeper, I think I would say. And I thought it's the, it's the profound understanding of the power of connection, which I think of my grandparents who were married 71 years. Um, my other grandparents were married 68 years, all died late 90s. So I saw that lifelong connection, the power of that. Um, my parents have been married for 46 years, I think, getting close to 50 maybe. And, you know, I've been married 24 years last week and, and I know that kind of deep connection and example and experience of it, there's also been a lot of very um, painful, even traumatic experiences where there was a complete breakdown connection where that was, um, you know, betrayed or, um, yeah, so it's like I know I'm painfully aware of how it feels to feel like the least adequate, the least connected, the least um, supported, the, the least in so many ways and, uh, you know, to feel bullied and isolated and pushed aside. So, so I feel like a lot of life has been, you know, pushing myself back up to the surface <laughs> to get some air after, after a, an experience of a loss of connection. So I think it's raising awareness of that and realising what people are going through and how we can bridge those gaps, how we can step across from that place where we might feel like the least adequate or the least worthy and build safe human connections. So what you're really saying is it's really about authentic communication. Yeah. Because there's all kinds of communication. I mean, you know, unfortunately I think we communicate and over-communicate more today than, than we ever have. Mm. but we seem to have lost the skill of authentic communication. I mean, social media, for example, Facebook, Instagram, we're always connecting with strangers. However, very few of them, if at all, Mm. are we actually connecting authentically. I mean, how do you feel social media has impacted our ability to authentically connect in both positive and negative ways? And in your Mm. experience, have we lost or are we losing that skill of connection? Well, I think whenever there's a problem, and as you've just identified, there is, it also makes us aware of creating solutions. So while in some ways we can go, yes, like technology has really um, interrupted our ability to connect, you know, we're losing the skill of connection, but in so many ways we're craving it and therefore that's becoming noticed and so we're really starting to pay attention to it. So... Now, you know, if we were meeting in a cafe, we might decide to put our phones, you know, turn them on silent, put them face down or, you know, put them away from the table. But we wouldn't have had that conversation five years ago. We would have just had the phones on the table and we would have been, um, you know, possibly checking Facebook and, um, you know, doing a selfie together, which, you know, we can still do that, then put it away. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was so much more involved in every conversation whereas now I think there's a lot of people who are starting to realize and so they're 
they're putting it away. Um, something that you said just a moment ago, like about um, strangers, I also just want to identify that we can be living with strangers in our own home. You know, you could be in a relationship with somebody for 20 years and look across the room at them and just think, I really don't know what you're thinking about this situation or I really don't know you anymore. And I think that the, the, the book and, and the conversations that I'm having with people can really help us to build connection with our nearest and dearest just as much as with strangers on a train. And sometimes we can practice with strangers because we might never see them again <laughs> and we can realise, wow, it's amazing what happens when I just fully pay attention to somebody. Yes, so true. And, and when I read the book, you've got a model within the book called the asking model. Hmm. It's just common sense, but it's more than common sense as well because what you've done within that model is you've overlaid, overlaid the science behind communication hmm. and why it's so important in different circumstances. And you've really, using a, a geeky term, which I am, codified <laughs> how to authentically connect with people. Hmm. Can you give us an overview of the asking model? <clears throat> sure. And that, that's why I really um, was working with friends to to create that because I don't naturally think in, you know, saying how to do this, dot, dot, dot. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that people asked was what were you thinking? So I really had to unpack that. And it starts with awareness. So the A in asking is, is clearly awareness, but it's awareness of self and others because if we start with self, we need to notice the conversation in our head. We need to notice, oh, maybe I'm walking into this meeting and I'm feeling nervous. And often we don't notice, unless it's like really strong emotions and you're shaking or something like that, but you might not realise that you're breathing more quickly, that you're, you know, just in a rush and, and feeling like uncertain. I don't know, will I know anybody? Will they be friendly? Are they all whatever type I might, you know, assume that those kind of people are? So if we just pause, at the, you know, before we get to the door, maybe in the car and just notice, how am I feeling right now? And be honest about it because sometimes we don't want to say, I actually feel really nervous or I feel terrified because we, I don't know about you, Brad, but I, I've always tended to play things down. Like it'll be fine, it'll be fine, but I'm suppressing the emotion. But if we can look at it and go, wow, I actually feel like this, then I can let it go. It's like, um, it's like calling out a behaviour, but it's in your own brain. You just go, nervousness, I see you. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but you're just going to sit here in the car because I'm choosing, and this is the next part, choosing the focus. So I want to go in there and I want to encourage people. I want to help other people feel welcome because if we know what it's like to stand on the outskirts, then we can look out for other people that might feel like that. And maybe if you are really confident and you just walk into a room and you just own it, then it's useful to pause and go, maybe not everyone feels like this. How can I help other people feel welcome? So when we go in there then, others focused, it's just a breeze to connect. And because I know what it's like to feel, as I said earlier, you know, like on the outside or the least, but if I'm not thinking about that and I'm thinking about, you know, oh, I wonder who's here that, that might feel a little bit left out or uncertain, and I can go and ask them, you know, who, who are you looking forward to meeting tonight or what brought you here? And 
you know, when people are interested, then, you know, people start to relax. They're like, oh, somebody noticed me. <laughs> so, yeah, just being aware of others is incredibly useful and, you know, and aware of the environment. So, yeah, we start with awareness. And honestly, I can do a whole half day on awareness before moving on to the rest of the asking model because it's just so important to, to start to understand what's going on in your brain and how you can then manage that. So I often refer to the work of uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel and uh, he's written oh, a number of great books. <laughs> I just had another neuroscientist book pop into my head, so I won't quote them. Um, the other one's Jeffrey Schwartz, uh, who wrote You Are Not Your Brain, which is incredibly powerful. So I can spend time on awareness, but that's, that's it in a nutshell. And then there's the start small, start with a smile. And I've also tacked in there, scare yourself a little bit. <laughs> Because yeah. we <laughs> couldn't resist uh, because I'm, I'm constantly scaring myself a bit because when you step past that, that moment of hesitation, that scary like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if they'll talk to me or not, we step beyond that and then it can be incredible and we discover new things and we have new friendships and, and we find, I remember a client saying to me years ago and it, maybe it wasn't even in the context of connecting but it was taking a brave step. And she said, it's like there's this great chasm in front of me and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't step out there. And she says, and then I do, and then I find it was just as thin as a hair and I just stepped over it. <laughs> and I mean, that's priceless. I just love that. It's our perception. And as soon as we've moved forward, it's just not an issue. But we often don't move forward because we just go, it's too scary, it's too hard, it might all, you know, go pear-shaped and I don't want to do it. So, yeah, we've got to just... Look for opportunities to scare ourselves a little bit. But back to the, um, the original S, which is start small. It is, and it's not even this, even before the smile. Sometimes it's just eye contact. You know, you might get on a train and you're looking for where can I sit and you just look at somebody and you know that you can sit next to them. They kind of give you permission with that glance. And it's just being open to those little moments to connect and giving people those small moments to connect. So, um, yeah, and a smile is just a powerful thing. We need more smiles in the world. So, you know. You know, as you say that, Kerry, it's a, it's amazing just in reflecting on my day-to-day interactions how many how many of those little cues we just miss because mm. we're in our own heads. Yes, in our own heads or in our technology. Yeah, or in our technology, exactly. Yeah, so, so look mm. up, you know, and I saw someone talking about this on um, on the project recently. And they just went, what if we just put our phones away and just look up? And it's like, yes, I know. It just sounds so simple that we don't talk about it. But when we actually, when we do talk about it, then there's more people making that choice to just put the phone away and look up. And uh, There was an article, there's actually an article uh, this morning in the Sydney Morning Herald where uh, one of the New South Wales State of Origin players attributed the fact that they won the series was largely due to their coaches' ban on mobile phones at all team functions because it actually made them communicate and connect and they had to relearn, and this is a statement from one of the key players, we had to relearn how to have conversations with each other. Wow. Yeah. I really get it. It's powerful that he just took a stand and made people aware. So, you know, it's back to the awareness. (laughs) How much are we letting something else take over our connection with other people so you know and as a team we've really got to 
think about that, but we can consider that for when we're just walking down the street and just think, well, I don't know all these people I'm passing in the street, so I could just like keep looking at my phone. But what if I just put it away and just look to give one person a smile? What if I just make eye contact? And so it's just challenging yourself to do that in whatever scenario. So we've got awareness. We've got start small. We move on to the K. What's the K stand for? Let's keep going with quality questions because a lot of people, they just go, oh, okay, I can just kind of smile and wave. Excuse me. But what happens, like if, if I say hello, then what? And we get scared of that awkward moment. So so lately I've been going hashtag be okay with awkward because, again, it's just it looks like a big scary step that you step forward. So when we think about the kind of questions that we ask, quality questions might sound complicated but it's so easy. It could be something as simple as uh, here's one that actually opened an extraordinary door of opportunity and friendship. So I'm on a flight to Sydney and it was very early in the morning, not a morning person. So I think I'll just sit on the plane and journal. And this young guy sat next to me and actually he's about my age. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he sits next to me and I just said, good morning, how are you? And he's like, yeah, good, thanks. So we're just putting the seatbelt on and I just said, are you going to Sydney today or further on? So just that little question about his journey unlocked this story about how he was going to London to work at the Olympics and I had to keep asking questions. I had to keep going because I was actually really curious but he seemed hesitant to share and I think because some people would go, oh, that's not true, like you're pulling pulling my leg, you know, to use a, I think that's an Aussie expression. And, yeah, so I just kept asking like, oh, and how did that happen and how did you get that opportunity and where was that? And he had worked in Buckingham Palace and because of that he was being asked by a previous colleague from the palace to come back and work at the London Olympics to manage the catering. He was a, um, a chef who worked remotely from Dubbo with celebrity chefs setting up their new kitchens and, yeah, he just had such a cool story and, yeah, we became friends and our sons were the same age so when he got back from the Olympics and, you know, spent time with the family it's just amazing, but it was that question and it's it's not profound. It's just asking about where he's going. And I think when we ask questions that are about the future, whether it's just today or, you know, where people are going, what are they looking forward to, this is gold. If you ask somebody, you know, about what they're looking forward to or what's the best thing about something, they're all positive conversations. And I think people get into a trap of talking about, you know, current news and events, which can be quite depressing or polarising and frustrating. But if we're just asking people about about stuff that matters to them, you know, I've asked somebody, you know, who are the special people in your world? Instead of like a question that people, sometimes people dread, you know, like, so are you married or do you have kids? Those questions can be heartbreaking for some people and they just shut down. So I notice when I ask somebody, you know, who are the special people in your world? then, you know, this great story unfolded and this person and I really connected because I, I asked them a safe question about who mattered to them. So any questions that put a smile on the person's mm-hmm. face, you know, and um, you would have seen in the book the little emojis is like the sad face, the neutral face and the happy face. It's like mm-hmm. which, which way do you want their, their brain to be going? Where do you want their focus? So, yeah, any questions? I love 
I love that tip, you know, in terms of keeping on going and asking questions. I heard two things there. One is be naturally curious, mm-hmm. right? But, but ask questions that put a, that will put a smile on their face. Yes. It's so simple, mm. but opens up so many doors. Yes. So, so moving on to the I, what does the I stand for? <laughs> and we've just touched on that. So that's being interested in others. And you know, sometimes, to be honest, we're not interested in others because we're wrapped up in our own world and, you know, a couple of illustrations that I've shared recently have been where I'm on a plane, I'm tired, well, just like with that guy, um, but I'm not interested in the person next to me or somebody that I might meet standing at the back of the plane. I just go to get a cup of tea and I think I'm just going to have a cup of tea and then I'm going to go and sleep. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm too tired. And then I see someone and I just be polite. Good morning, you know, how's your trip going? Or, um, you know, are you just going to Singapore today or are you going further? And then they start talking and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this person's fascinating. They've got this great story. And here was me choosing to be interested. Like I wasn't even there yet. I just decided to express interest, to be polite, and then, boom, I'm so glad I've met this person. (laughs) So if you're not feeling interested in others, you can choose that just for a moment to express interest. And and I don't know um, where it's best to highlight this, but I think any time is relevant. Sometimes, and people might be listening to this going, oh, I don't want to get trapped in a conversation, so I'm not going to start it. You know, I don't want to talk to strangers because they'll, you know, get me in a conversation I can't get out of it. I do that on aeroplanes all the time. <laughs> particularly on international flights when you mm-hmm. go, know you're going to be there for 14 hours, the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is get trapped in a conversation for 14 hours. <laughs> Would you like me to help you not get trapped in conversation? Please. But possibly have a conversation that could change your life. Uh, so that when you first get on, when you're putting your seatbelt on, it's like that's where the ice is broken already because you're not just sitting there with technology on, um, you're not already reading, you're just kind of getting settled. So that's the best time just to break the ice and like, good morning, how are you going? Maybe ask them about their trip. Is this work or are you? Uh, for me, it's always work and pleasure. <laughs> it's just just a delightful mix. But then, then you know something of the person sitting next to you. So you don't have to sit there and wonder like, oh, my gosh, are they, are they going to be? Um, rude if I try and climb over them to go to the bathroom or just how is this going to be you know there's this tense awkwardness just sitting between the two of you for you know potentially hours but if you have this little connection and you go oh my goodness they're really up for a chat I think they might do this all the way then you can just weave into your conversation that um, you know you're really looking forward you know to the flight you've got lots of work to do but you're also you know really excited about watching some movies or whatever ask them you know are there any movies they're looking forward to seeing and just by expressing interest in them for a few moments even if they want to keep talking and you just go I can't do this like I either I just need to sleep I, I just can't bear what the, the conversation for some reason just say to them thank you so much for sharing with me um you know I can see you're really excited about the trip I'm really sorry I'm just going to have to take some time to rest or um you know and you don't even really have to apologize sometimes we just do that but but when you acknowledge them you thank them for their interest in you or thank them for maybe they're not interested in you maybe they're just interested in telling their stories and that can happen so just 
share their excitement for a moment. Just go, wow, sounds like you're really excited about this. Thank you so much for sharing with me. Will you excuse me? I need to do some work. I need to have a sleep. But if you don't do that, you know, taking a moment to thank them and acknowledge them, they feel incomplete. So they'll keep trying to connect and you're kind of withdrawing more and more. So it's just getting more uncomfortable and awkward. But you can, you know, draw that line in the sand by thanking them and explaining where, where you're at. Because when people feel heard, then they're far more willing to hear you. Does that help? Absolutely. I'm definitely going to take that on next time I uh, am on an international flight. It's almost like in validating and letting them know that you're tired or that you've got some movies you want to watch or some work to do, you're almost giving yourself permission to disengage from the conversation without offending them. Yeah, yeah, but you've given them something first, you know, so, Mm. yeah, they can feel more settled. And, you know, sometimes people are terrified of flying and, it can make it easier to just have a chat. And you can, I think the more authentic we are, it comes back to this, you know, we can just say to them, you know, how are you feeling about the flight? Maybe if you're the scared one, you can say, oh, my gosh, I just feel really nervous. Like, can I just talk to you till after we've taken off just so we can just not think about the fact that we're flying? <laughs> then, you know, just to, just to be honest, um, it just makes it so much easier because otherwise we sit there, wondering and worrying about this person next to us and they can be doing the same thing so if we just get it out you know in the open and um it's really funny because on flights there's often a lot of conversations about previous flights like oh last time I flew up to Singapore I'm sitting next to this person and whether it's a great story or whether it's not a great story people love talking about talking to strangers they love talking about uh the people that they've met and places that they've been so um yeah, it can be quite fascinating, the stories that that uh, can unfold. And uh, anyway, as you can see, I've got lots of stories. So so we have awareness. We have start small, keep going, interested. What's the N? So that's natural confidence. And this got into the asking model because when I was talking about it, somebody said to me, well, you know, I I don't have natural confidence. And I said, but you do, because I saw you having a conversation with this person and, you know, they're not known for their social skills. And he said, oh, yeah, but that's because, and he started telling me why they had a great conversation, how they talked about things that they had in common. And, And I said, see, you were talking about stuff that you know. The reason that we get nervous and lose confidence is because we're trying to impress or we're trying to, um, sound like we know something but when when we talk about things that are just part of our world like the special people in our world or where we're going or where there's no wrong answers we're just talking about stuff that we know (laughs) stuff that we experience it's it's quite easy and comfortable and you know and then we're forgetting about how do I sound am I impressing them yeah when that's not part of it then you are actually really confident. So it's helpful to notice if you are challenged by that and you go, oh, I'm not naturally confident, then go, well, where am I? Because, you know, you might have friends over or you might be, you know, just chatting with friends on the beach or family and what does that feel like? And what are the, what's going on for you? You're, You're not worried about things, therefore you are what? You're focused on stuff that that is fun, that is 
relevant to you, that is stuff that lights you up. So be that person wherever you wherever you are with new people. And the G? The G is gratitude. So gratitude is a powerful connector. Whether it's getting off the bus and saying thank you to the driver, thank you to the barista who serves you coffee every day. Sometimes you might notice that sometimes people give you a change, they do the whole transaction without even looking at you. And if you can say thank you so much for your attention today or, you know, thank you so much for the great coffee or, you know, thank you for something specific, they're like, oh, they're looking up, wow, because how many customers are not thanking them? And so they remember the people who actually do say thank you. And, I mean, gratitude is not just good for our own, like for connecting with other people, but it's great for our own mental health. So when we are just expressing gratitude, even just to ourselves or, you know, whether you write down things in the morning or whether you just think, oh, I'm so grateful the sun's out today, you're, you're an easier person to connect with because rather than dwelling on all the things that you don't have or that are not going well, when you're seeing things to be grateful for, you're just more lighthearted and easier for people to connect with and easier for you to just say, you know, isn't it a great day or whatever. <laughs> you're just in a much better headspace. So gratitude is just something we can always deepen and develop. I love that, Kerry. Mm. And, and I've got a cheeky little story to talk around that. Sure. You know when you go to the hairdresser and they give you a shampoo and part mm. of that shampoo is they give you that beautiful scalp massage and you're just like, oh, I feel like I'm just going to melt into this mm. chair. This is just like. Yeah. What I've found is every time the hairdresser starts that scalp massage and you go, oh, that just feels fantastic. It's completely made my day. Mm. They try a little harder. <laughs> and the massage goes for a little longer, mm-hmm. 100%, it always lasts. And that extra 30 seconds is just like heaven. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true because imagine that you're the hairdresser or you're the customer service provider. When you've got someone who is being grateful, you're just like, what else can I do for you? And I can't tell you how many upgrades I've had in hotels. You know, when you arrive and you might be tired, but you just go, oh, thank you so much, Um, you know, find something to thank them for, just ask them about their day and just remember that they could have had like 10 rude people before you and you're just an absolute breath of fresh air. So it's important just to make their day. But if they're wanting to, if they, you know, don't have enough of the standard rooms, who are they going to upgrade? It'll be the person that just made their day by acknowledging them and not treating them like, you know, just a, a number crunch on the other side of the desk. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's such a simple model, Kerry. I'm sure our listeners are, are listening to this are thinking, well, this is just common sense. And mm-hmm. you know what? A lot of it is common sense. I mean, within the book, you go deeply into the neuroscience of connection and everything underneath that, which we don't have time to go into today. But, but it, it's a great model because of its simplicity. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I've noticed is that the model is absent in our daily communications. And I've got to ask you this one thing I absolutely despise on LinkedIn. And I use the word despise because I absolutely mean it Mm. is when someone asks you to connect who you've not met Mm -hmm. and you accept the communicate, the the connection, which means you've given them permission to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. But within four hours, you get that request to engage. 
you get this sales conversation and you've asked to either enter into a business venture or are you interested in buying this product from me? And I had an example this week of a person who asked me to connect because my profile looked interesting and she liked Mm -hmm. the content I was posting. And within 24 hours of asking me if I wanted to, you know, whether I wanted to enter into a property venture with her. And, and, And I know everyone's different, but it would seem this type of way of engaging actually breaks most aspects of the asking model. Mm. In that, A, she had no awareness of who I was and what my views on property investing were. B, you know, she got permission but that went straight to, hey, do you want to get married without even asking Mm. me a single question or getting to know me, which defied everything about the model you've just put out. Now, I know LinkedIn's view on this is that it's a sales platform and we just need to get over it. Um, but, But I can't accept that. I mean, is there a protocol and, and is this model as relevant in terms of, you, you know, developing connections on social media as it is in face-to-face connections when, when meeting someone on, on a bus or a plane or in the street? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I feel like saying, don't get me started. So, you know, this conversation came up earlier this week in the Asia Professional Speakers Facebook group. And actually, over the last week, there's been two different posts that have basically related to the same thing on, on LinkedIn. And, you know, I think I've written in the book about particularly Facebook. So whatever it is, whatever the platform, we need to remember that there's a human being on the other side of the technology. There's somebody who is accepting that friend request going, oh, okay, thanks for being interested in me. Yeah, you look interesting. Accept. And you can't write to them, if you're on the free platform, you can't write to them before you accept it and say, hey, thanks for connecting, what, um, you know, what brings you to my page? So you, there's a level of trust where you open the door to them. And so when they come in and start selling, you're like, hang on, yeah, we, have, we haven't really met properly, especially if they didn't send you a personal note to begin with. And I always encourage people, you know, if you're connecting on LinkedIn or Facebook, send a personal note of introduction because you would not pass somebody on the street, shove them your business card and keep walking and expect them to turn around and follow you and go, yes, I'd love to connect. You know, that's really what's happening online when you just send a friend request without any explanation. Like how lovely is it on those rare occasions where you get a request that says, hey, Brad, I noticed that, you're, that uh, you know, you're friends with these people or I noticed your comment on somebody's blog. It was really insightful, love to connect to you. And you go, oh, my gosh, they noticed me. Like, it's a real connection. So, you know, I think the asking model really can be applied to any kind of connection, like I said before, whether it's with your nearest and dearest or whether it's with a complete stranger on the, on the internet. And, you know, those, the best of LinkedIn and Facebook happens when people are being authentic connectors and sending those personal notes and, yeah, keeping the sales out of it. Because, you know, sometimes people will walk in, and I've heard lots of these stories, you walk into a room and you're like, oh, that's the person I'm going to marry. Now, if you just walk up and tell them that straight away, you're not going to see them for six months. <laughs> if if because, forever, ever again. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking of an audio book I listened to of somebody I heard speaking recently, and I'm pretty sure that was his story. He just went... Um, yeah, that's that's my future wife. And, uh, yeah, she yeah didn't speak to him and he had to really pursue her. And, and she was convinced in the end and they've been married for like 30-something years. But 
it doesn't work well to just throw yourself at somebody like that. It's maybe you tell your best friend, I love this person and I'm going to connect with them. And I actually I remember now reading a book and I said to my husband, I'm going to have coffee with him one day. And I wrote the author a handwritten card and I said, I was so impressed by your bio and just what you've put together here. It's extraordinary. Well done. Just left it at that, posted it off, got a phone call. Hey, Kerry, like when do you ever visit Sydney? Like can I take you out for lunch next time we're in Sydney? Next time you're in Sydney. And I was like, wow, wow, oh, my gosh. Like it's not just me that wanted to have coffee. He just read my card and went, yeah, here's someone I'd like to connect with. I'd be really interested, Kerry, to do a, a research project with you and, and pull together a, a, a specific number of people on LinkedIn and actually apply the asking model to their connections on LinkedIn and mm. see what kind of results over a period of time it actually produced because I actually believe it would be very tangible. Would you be interested in doing that with me? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. And I can think of I think we should do that. Yeah, okay. I think we should absolutely do that. The, yeah. the other thing I want to talk to you about is networking events because personally I've always disliked networking events. I mm. just can't stand small talk and the underlying agenda that most networking events come with Mm. but you have a very different take on how to utilise networking events and it's all about shifting context. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and give us some tips for those, those of us that, that share my view on networking events, how to make them your own? Oh, absolutely. And do you mind if I just read something that you shared with me in an email? Um, yeah, please do. Earlier, like you mentioned this message that you, as a child, that you were taught don't talk to strangers And you said, while that lesson kept me safe, it also taught me to only talk to strangers if I needed something. Now, that jumped out at me because I went, oh, my gosh, that's the essence of what's driving people to networking events because they're going because they need something. They need um, more clients or referrals or, you know, there's something that they need. And and I thought, imagine what that actually looks like. If, 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 we, if we could see that tangibly, you know, because it's all going on. Yeah, that's yeah. a really interesting point. It would, it would just be like this, this all-in brawl <laughs> like it, <laughs> is it, the picture that comes to my mind. Yeah, it's this take, 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 and uh, my hands are flying around the room right now. But if we, and we can identify, that's why people tell us to go, you know, make sure you get 10 business cards before you leave or make sure, um, you know, that you've got two solid leads but there's, there's, you know, focus, go with a focus. And like I mentioned earlier, we could go with a focus of, you know, helping people feel welcome or, you know, just for the adventure of it, just to meet people and see, you know, what we can learn, which again is getting something, but, but learning is something that we can be sharing with other people as well. So it doesn't have to be, you know, the selfish kind of it. What stood out to me about what you said there is that it didn't feel right to you. It was a comment that you made. It's like, doesn't feel right to go to networking events knowing that you should be going because you need to promote your business, etc. But deep down, we don't like that kind of connecting when we're just asking for something. When it's when it's a win-win or a win-win-win, <laughs> when we we go to see how we can serve, how we can help, how we can inspire, encourage, and that happens for us as well. You know, it's that joy of the adventure and and that lightness that comes from not holding tight to an agenda, that's where it's really powerful. So, and I think that's what people really crave. We, you know, as people are talking more and more about authenticity, then, yeah, we're aware that it doesn't sit right to be just looking for something for ourselves. 
I love that shift of context and I'm going to take that on. I've got probably four or five really big networking events coming up over the next couple of months Mm. and I'm just going to go with what can I learn? What can I learn about the people in the room? What can I learn about myself and what can I learn about just what it is to connect with other people? And I think it will give a whole different context to to that. And, and, Mm. you know, you talked about natural confidence as the end Mm. in the asking model. We all intrinsically know how to connect. Yes. (laughs) It's part of us. It's it's part of who we are. It's how our brains are wired to connect. So if if you take that context into a networking event and and you're purely focused on connecting rather than asking someone for something, Mm. then, you know, you're doing what's very natural to you. Yeah, and you know what? I just had this picture of, like, I think people might assume if they were going to a networking function with me or, you know, if we're having a conversation about this and, and I'm going to functions as if I don't need clients, they would think, well, it's fine for Kerry because obviously she's, you know, she's got enough money in the bank, she's got enough clients, she doesn't need to be, um, you know, looking for clients. But it's actually not been the case at all. Like sometimes I've felt like, you know, and my husband might be saying, you know, have you got any new clients this month? Like how is this going to work? How are you going to pay for your airfares? How is this, you know, and I just have to go, I just need to let that go (laughs) because I don't like the feeling of, you know, needing to get a client. So I would rather go in there as if I don't have a care in the world, as if, like, I just have to know that I will connect with the right people, that the clients will come at the right time. So even though I couldn't afford to be that flexible, I suppose, or be that open and, you know, serving others, I chose to. And, and which I think has sometimes had people just go, that's all right for Kerry, she's so successful. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even have money for an airfare home, but that's okay because it'll work out. <laughs> so, I know I know I have a like a high risk. Uh, what's the word? And I do scare my husband sometimes, but I just think even for the moment, if you can let go of that, like I need to make something happen, let it go to just go and serve somebody else. Then you do make great connections, and then you find great clients to work with rather than some that you've just dragged over the line because you're a great convincer. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There's another section of the book where you explain a term, you, you call it the sweet spot, where, where the right people get connected at the right time with the right purpose. <laughs> I personally have held a view for most of my adult life that there's actually no such thing as a random connection and mm. time to time, again, have met people where the tiniest thing I've said to them that has meant nothing to me and vice versa mm-hmm. has made a tremendous impact on their life. And also forged a connection where I'm still in touch with them 10 years later, you know, and and in some of those cases we've actually gone on to do tremendous things together. Mm. You know, when I read this, it really resonated. Can can you just go in and explain that model a little bit more for us? Um, Yeah, that's great because it is, yeah, I put into that, you know, right person, right place, right attitude because there is that and sometimes it seems intangible. But, but you know it when it happens and, and you've obviously experienced that. And, if, again, it's not something that we can manufacture but we can be present for. It's, it's when we let go of, you know, all the anxiety or the agenda or anything, <clears throat> then we see those moments unfold. You know, so a recent flight, you know, where I was too tired, didn't want to talk to somebody and then I just expressed interest for a moment. Then I found that he's lived in 127 different countries. So... I love connecting with people who 
have that kind of knowledge of the world. Um, he's worked in embassies all over the world and now is working with bringing in, um, you know, looking after refugees. And and we, his wife came from the same hometown as me, Gilgandra. Uh, just amazing. And you go, what was it that connected us and what will come out of it? I don't know. But it's just really being present and showing up and yeah, so it's it, so kind of funny that I have it as a model. It's more like explaining what happens rather than this is how to create it because I guess I guess we create it by being present, which is the asking model, which is, yeah, being ourselves. So bringing this back to a business context, what's important for an entrepreneur or business leader to know in terms of embracing the art of connection in their workplace? And what can people expect if they wanted to take this a little further than just reading the book? And, and and engage you with a workshop? <clears throat> okay, thank you. I love that question because like no two workshops are the same, just like no two conversations are the same. You know, like <laughs> I have this Connect With Confidence workshop, but then I always chat with the organisers to go, you know, what is it specifically that you're looking for? You know, is this, uh, you know, Connect With Confidence to... Um, you know, to grow your dental practice or is it to, you know, grow your finance team or whatever. But we work through the asking model and, like I said before, we spend a lot of time in awareness because when people are aware of the conversation in their head, they change all other conversations. So I think what's important for an entrepreneur or business leader to know, it's really that you need to listen to yourself and you need to trust yourself. Because you get those inklings, you know, you talked about things not happening by accident, you know, you get that you're in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and when you go with your gut, when you go with that, oh, maybe I should go and talk to that person. Trust yourself, go with it. So there's so much of my coaching world that came into the speaking and training workshops and it's getting people to listen to themselves because that's where that's where the amazing things happen because that's where you're being honest with yourself and you can be more honest with other people you can be more courageous and have conversations you need to have or you know step into new learning environments and you know i really encourage people to travel <laughs> whether your job needs you to travel or not uh, whether you travel for holidays or for work but to to travel and put the phone away as you do it because you're in an intense learning environment that you're not in your everyday, you know, going to and from on the same train, the same plane, you know, the same network and the same people. It's so important that we keep growing because then that grows our, not just our understanding of the world and but our understanding of others and ourselves. So which comes back to the A in the asking model. Fantastic. Kerry, it's been an honour talking with you. I believe you've now launched a follow-up book, Do Talk to Strangers Travel Kit. How does that build on your Do Talk to Strangers book? Well, it does actually take a little deeper. Like it's a smaller book. It's a nice little pocket size, which is fantastic. And I, I wondered, you know, is, is this okay to do like a little book after doing like three big books? But the first thing people say when they hold it is like, oh, my gosh, I love the size. It's so cute. <laughs> or it's like so handy. But I, you know, I've got, you know, part one, part two, part three um, throughout the book. 
And while there's the practical travel toolkit, there's, you know, a little checklist, things to think about before you travel practically so you can travel light so that you are then not stressed because when you're stressed, it's harder to be a great connector and you're just not going to enjoy the trip as much. So there's that, you know, lighten up. As I've travelled, my luggage gets smaller, it gets lighter. I often will go away for a week or so with carry-on luggage only. I just love it. Um, So... I think one of the little quotes I pulled out was travelling light is a joy and it's easier on your body. <laughs> ah, love also, it. <laughs> yeah, there's also the, uh, the travelling traveling light in terms of our judgments and assumptions that we make. You know, so, you know, while you, you want to hold on to your passport and your cash and all of that, um, you want to be mindful of what it's helpful to let go of you know, the assumptions, the judgments, that needing to fix or needing to convince people or a sense of entitlement or needing validation or to be right, you know, if we let that go, um, then we can really travel light and engage with the world and grow in understanding and empathy. And, yeah, and there's the, you know, philosophy of talking to strangers and how, uh, you know, we can we can just be hospitable to people wherever we are, you know, whether it's, you know, we might be on... Um, you know, a Qantas flight, for example, but we can still welcome somebody to our row of seats. We can be hospitable wherever we are, and I think the world really needs that. So, you know, and I've got polite exits, which is kind of what we talked about before, you know, how to get out of a conversation that you've got yourself into, like how to respectfully excuse yourself without going, uh, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, there's great ways to do it and still yep. keep the air clear between you. So it's just really, um, I've got the asking model in there too, but it's just very much in the context of travel and whether it's, you know, a regular commute where you might start seeing your world differently or whether it's, you know, a big global adventure. Well, I believe, Kerry, this book is so relevant for today and I could imagine a world where we're all just willing to put down our phones, even if it's for a minute, and just authentically connect with the person opposite us on a train, in a bus, on the street, even at home with our kids and our wives and our grandparents mm. and our parents and whoever else, mm. uh, how much of a difference it would make given how dependent we've become on, on connecting in authentically via technology. Mm. Kerry, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. How can people connect with you if they want to know more? Thank you, Brad. Just before I answer that, I just love that you've acknowledged all of those age groups in that, you know, from grandparents to children. And I just want to say, yes, look out for our, you know, elderly and putting a smile on their face is so rewarding but it's so important to them. And, uh, you know, and kids and letting them feel listened to because, you know, especially teenagers, they need to know that somebody will listen to them even if it's a stranger on a train or something. So uh, thank you for that. So how can people connect? Well, LinkedIn or Facebook, please send a personal note and say, Brad sent me. <laughs> um, you know, there's Instagram and Twitter and I'm up for conversations anyway. There's even the phone and my website, kerryfitz.com. But, uh, again, please send a personal note because I do get requests from everywhere. And so when I see that uh, somebody's sent a personal note, that just goes to the top of the queue. And I'm like, hi, thanks for your note. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, look, if you want to connect with Kerry, I highly recommend you do so. Um, FIPS is P-H-I-P-P-S. Kerry is spelt as Kerry is spelt K-E-R-R-I-E. Kerry, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. 